What's up, Jammies? You know we love football and we love our sponsor, Barefoot Wine. You know, wine and football aren't that different. Sure, they can be complex, but enjoying them should be easy. And both are easier to enjoy with friends. Cheers. What's up, Jammies? Welcome back to another episode of Ricky's Ram Jam presented by Barefoot Wine. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. And instead of sugar plum fairies dancing in your head, I hope it was that win over the Saints last TNF because that's what I was thinking about all weekend. The energy at SoFi last week was unreal. It felt like a playoff game under the lights. It was so much fun. I had the best time. SoFi at night, not to take away from our day games because those are amazing too, but there's just that energy when it's dark out and the lights the stadium and just all the Rams fans that showed up on Thursday. It was so loud. It was rocking. It was just awesome. I do my kids say what most, most home games where I ask kids, you know, funny questions and then it plays on the Jumbotron. You can check that out on YouTube too, if you'd like to see it on the infinity screen. But there were two kids that we had lined up previously where we knew what they were going to ask for. So I asked them what they wanted for Christmas. One kid said a Spider-Man PS5. Another one said an electric scooter. And then in game, we got to surprise them with Santa and an elf. And I was a part of it too. Got to hand them the scooter and the look on their faces, like the hugs from these kids. It was just It was just such an overall amazing, amazing night. And then I got to take a red eye and get back to to UNH. No, just to New Hampshire, but I'm I'm sporting my UNH sweatshirt today uh, from my brother for for the holidays, which was so nice. It it was so great to get back to Boston and New England for, for the weekend and just watch football, eat a lot of food, lay by the fire. It was like 30 degrees out, did some hiking. It it was just such a great weekend, and I hope that that everyone had one just just as special. We're heading to the Giants for New Year's Eve. I want to think of some New Year's resolutions. So I'm, those are still work in progress. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruminate on those for a little while. If you have any ideas, make sure you hit me up. Joining me now is the Athletics beat reporter for the Rams. She's a ray of sunshine, the co-host of the Eleven Personnel podcast. It's Jordan Rodrigue or Abraham Lincoln. What's- I know. Right? <laughs> Who's talking about my. My cord. I don't know why they're positioned like this. My mutton chops. Hello. Yeah. yeah it looks like you've got some crazy apple sideburns going on. Um, <laughs> shout out. Hey, you know, I love nostalgia, though. You know, like wired headphones. <laughs> so cool, right? Throwback. I Thanks. I feel really cool now this morning. I appreciate yeah, good, you. <laughs> good. I'm glad, that I, I'm glad that I could contribute. Jordan, oh my God. So how did you manage with no Rams football for the weekend after the mini buy? Like, are you surviving? Because you eat, sleep, breathe Rams. Like, what did you even do to fill your time? <laughs> well, it was kind of great. It was, um, you just watched all the rest of the games and you right. kind of got a better feel for A, uh, the pure comfort and depth of my living room chair and B, um, where the league's at right now. And I thought it was probably really helpful. You know, Sean McVay was telling us this week, early this week, that that's what he did too. And obviously, you know, had family and, and he had family and stuff like that around, but watching the games from that perspective is really helpful, but it's also can be a little bit of a rabbit hole effect because you start to latch on to different ideas and you see what other certain other teams are doing. There's certain things that you can get, um, things that, uh, sort of the inspiration that you can get when you're watching live versus 
um, when you're going through and watching the all 22 or even the broadcast copies that you just miss stuff. Sometimes right. they just cut stuff out or there's different things that the, that the analysts notice, things like that, that are super helpful for coaches. Um, but through the grind of a typical week, they usually, you know, sometimes they miss certain things, but it's also easy to get carried away and go down the rabbit hole of, oh, wow. Orbit yeah. motion on a running back rub route in the red zone. I really want to do that. And then you're like, wait, hang on. <laughs> so um, you just you just kind of have to balance that. Uh, I, I totally felt that. I empathize with that because you have to balance all of that excitement with uh, what is the task for the Rams at hand, which is going out and trying to keep things a week at a time with the New York Giants. Yeah, definitely a Christmas fever dream for sure. You wrote uh, an amazing piece of why you think Puka should be Offensive Rookie of the Year. This week, Puka Nakua is the NFC Player of the Week. And, and with our jammies who might not have read it, why do you feel like he's in that category? Yeah, my column last week after the the Saints game, um, I, you know, Puka has been making a case for himself all year. And by the way, I want to say that's not to take away from whatever for other things that other rookies have done. But at the same time, you can't take away from what Puka Nakua has accomplished. I mean, fifth round rookie receiver out of BYU immediately makes an impact for the Rams. And it's but you've seen him grow every week. And what I mean by that is it started out where, you know, I, I wrote early in the season about a feature about how he was with the, in the breakfast club sessions with uh, Matthew Stafford and with Cooper Cup. And that's significant because that was the time for the quarterback to communicate with the receiver. This is what I need from you on every single play. This is what I expect from you. These are the tiny details that I need you to execute on every single play. And you saw that manifest, especially with Cooper being out at the first part of the year. You saw that express itself in Puka Nakua and a lot of zone coverage, right? A lot of zone beaters. And he was the first read for Matthew Stafford when the Rams were facing a zone defense. And it was uh, it led to an enormous amount of production earlier in the year. And as the year continued, you saw Puka's responsibility expand. Not only was he put in some of the Robert Woods, I joke, I call it 11 and a half personnel because <laughs> it's Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, but they're also like miniature tight ends. So Sean McVay can still use 11 personnel on, on every single snap, but he's got receivers out there who are blocking like tight ends. So you could run 12 and 13 personnel out of that structure with everything looking the same pre-snap. So you're getting Puka Nakua in with those Robert Woods throwback vintage blocking roles, but Sean McVay is also... Um, evolving his scheme forward to feature a lot more duo, a lot more gap running. And Puka Nakua is a crucial element in getting those blocks off and making sure that he can block down some of those motion blocks that they're doing in order to make those duo plays come alive. And so then you start to see his, his route tree sort of expand a little bit. He's doing a little bit more vertical things. He's got some of the downfield speed. I can remember a few weeks ago, a catch he made down the sideline. That was total speed. And, right. and he's really um, becoming a player. You're seeing advanced technical things start to emerge in his skill set because he keeps growing and he keeps putting in the work. I mean, after the Thursday night game, Matthew Stafford was was sitting on the dais for, for Amazon Prime and he was talking about Puka and how it's the most impressive rookie campaign he's seen in any position, which I thought was really poignant coming from him. And, and you talk about him throwing blocks. I mean, remember that, that uh, game a few weeks ago where it was like, is it his rib? Is it his shoulder? He went into the locker room and then he comes back in and he's throwing blocks the first time he's back. He's just so tough. It's just, it's, it's remarkable to watch. And why do you think he hasn't hit a wall like some other rookies would later in the season? I just think it's, it's part of how he started the year. He started the year on Matthew Stafford's schedule. So 
you're trying to keep pace with a quarterback who's been doing it for, you know, over a decade at this point. And you are, you start the year after OTAs, when they start pulling him into these morning sessions, you're automatically on a different schedule than your typical rookie. And so doing that from the start, getting into routine like that from the start, I mean, I think that you've seen a couple of, uh, of times where it's he's dipped a little or he's been genuinely exhausted. We've seen in the locker room sometimes he has been, sometimes he comes in and, and he says, I, you know, I, I am working on sleep. I'm working on trying to understand how much more sleep I need now to recover versus when I was in college. Um, and you see that rookie wall happen so often with, with him. I think you could point to a couple of the drops and he would probably point to this as well, but it's never been anything significant. There's never been consecutive weeks where you don't watch what he's capable of doing. And, and more importantly, what his role is specifically outlined within the perimeter and the structure of whatever that offensive game plan is, whether it's a high volume catch day or a high volume blocking day, you can always see what his responsibility is to the point where you can really understand that they've made him a really prominent and featured player within this offense, regardless of what the production or the stat sheet looks like. And they're doing it in a variety of different ways using their motion rules. Well, who is one of their number one motion players? Puka Nakua. So he, you know, he, he said something to me the other day, which I, I just got a kick out of. It's like one of the things that they run, they call it, you know, it, it's a, I'm not giving anything away because it's a name that a lot of teams use, but um, it, it's a, it's a concept called blast. And he, it basically involves him blocking from the backside to the front side of the formation down on a, on a player, whether it's a defensive end, a linebacker, a safety. And he goes, um, because I've either got to blast them out of the way and I've got to have a blast while doing it. And that's <laughs> how he, rem you know, it's, it's just, he, he is finding ways to enjoy and have fun and I think all of those things um, combined are a reason why you just haven't really seen him hit that true rookie wall yet. When I think reason and logic would tell us he could have hit it weeks ago, considering some of the hits he's taken and some of the production. But we just haven't seen that that pure dip yet from him. Speaking of blast, like, isn't it such a blast to cover these rookies this season? Like, I am having so much joy getting to know the Pukas, Kobe Turner, Byron Young you know, Steve Avila. I mean, these guys have been so pivotal on the field, but the energy coming from this team, and I'm like such a broken record when I talk about it, but it has just been such a breath of fresh air to have these this energy surrounding these young guys. Yeah. And I, I mean that genuinely too. You and I have talked about this a little bit uh, as well. I've talked with some of the coaches about it. That's genuine. Um, you know, that's not just because you've got a Rams helmet and a towel behind you. Like that is absolutely genuine. That is what you feel when you walk into that locker room. There's like a lightness there and an energy. And I talked with uh, inside linebacker Ernest Jones about this last week um, because the all the questions at the beginning of the season were, um, how are you going to manage being so young? How are you guys going to manage being so young on this roster, particularly on that defensive side of the ball? And Ernest sort of revisited the topic a little bit with me this this past uh, after this last game and was like, I think that works in our favor. We don't know how to be tired yet. We don't know what the expectations that the weight of that feels like because we're just going out there and playing and learning and growing and we're not tired because we're young. And I think that that's something you see. The play energy is so high from so many players. I'm tired. Group. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm like, I'm oh, my God. How many, how many more, how many more games are there? Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like we don't have them. to be tired yet as I'm on my fourth <laughs> cup of coffee. I'm like, yeah, you guys keep doing it. 
and 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 it's but it's like it's I think the youth if they could have if they could get over that hump of of experience and knowledge if they could just get to that level where execution was starting to meet theory a little bit I think that a lot of people thought this is what could happen the natural and youthful energy of the overall group would help carry the team into a different level um, as execution and theory met that experience level a little bit better than when they started the season. And I think that's what you're seeing, but this is also a group of people. They like each other. They all like being around each other in there. Um, it's, it's kind of remarkable to see, um, you know, they've been through some adversity. They've had some tough losses, games that they shouldn't have lost this year that they did lose. And you still saw them stay really connected. You still saw them, um, always with each other, around each other. You saw them leaning on each other. You saw them joking with each other and and creating an environment and atmosphere in there that really felt, feels very familial. And um, the vibes are very, very good, regardless of the pressure or the stakes. Um, good vibes in that locker room, for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, there's, there's so much going on with this team this season that has just been so much fun to watch. There's a lot of discourse this you know past Christmas about you know best quarterbacks in the NFC and who is the MVP, and there's some, some names that we don't need to mention here. But Matthew Stafford, in the midst of his best five-game stretch of his career, what has also stood out to you? with Matthew Stafford's last five games since the bye. Yeah, well, I really think it's the trifecta uh, and really the the quadrangle, I guess you would call it, but uh, the, with Cooper Cup, but obviously Cooper missed the first part of the year and Kyron missed the middle part of the year. But now that everything's clicking, I think you really look at the effects of Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, and Matthew Stafford all working in cohesion and in tandem in the run in the past and, and truly marrying the run in the past the way that I think Sean McVay had a vision for um, at the start of the year. And now that everyone's healthy, you're kind of seeing how it all expresses itself. But Matthew Stafford is playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. Um, December, he's played some of the best football that a quarterback has played in the month of December in history uh, in the modern era of the NFL in terms of, I think it's what, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, only two other quarterbacks in history have done that in the, the month of December um, it's it's been fascinating to watch because I don't look at just his simple stats. What I was saying to everybody at the beginning of the year when Matthew Stafford's simple stats looked weird um, <laughs> because they did not match what you would see on the field. I would right. say, watch the tape. They'd say, oh, is he hurt? What's going on? People who I do interviews with or whatever. And I'd say, just watch the tape. You'll see the throws he's making, the things that they're trying to do. Like I said, you could see the theory of what they were trying to do. And if you watched what he was actually doing, the types of the caliber of throws he was actually making through that time, that has not changed from the beginning of the year. But as an operation overall, they're much cleaner. Their execution is much better. They've got Kyron Williams back in the mix and the run game is really starting to express itself the way that these coaches, coaches and players intended when they overhauled the scheme at the beginning of the year. And you're seeing everything click together uh, again with that functionality that everyone intended and expected. It was always going to take some time, especially if you're missing Cooper at the beginning of the year and you're onboarding some of these young players. But I think you could always see the theory. I mean, you go back and you look at that Seattle game and you look at some of the games that they lost against really tough opponents, but they were still in and, and fighting in. Um, and in those early weeks, and you could see what they were trying to do. They just right. couldn't really quite get there. And so now execution and theory are matching. And Matthew Stafford is really the um, 
the play success rate and the EPA per dropback that he's able to achieve, especially on less manageable downs where he is able to manufacture a type of throw or manufacture an explosive play that helps the Rams even on disadvantageous downs that they've previously been on. Um, and then now they're staying ahead of the sticks more frequently because of Kyron Williams. So you can really see how everything is interconnecting and working together. And, and Matthew Stafford is really the engine that makes it go. Yeah. Sean McVay now eight and seven and a chance to clinch a playoff berth this week. How much credit does coach McVay deserve for keeping this team together throughout the season? Well, it's huge. I mean, it starts with his hiring process too. I mean, he overhauled half of his staff last year, whether it was departures for opportunity or whether he was the one parting ways with, with previous coaches who had been here. Um, They knew that they were going to have a massive infusion of players where they were going to have to start with at ground zero with a lot of these players. And so he, he went out and he rebuilt kind of his coaching staff the way that he wanted. And I asked him about this week, like, got teachers who are going to teach from the ground up. And that's not to say other people on previous staffs didn't or couldn't do that. It's just that between all the departures and, and the new wave of people coming in, this was how he wanted to approach the year. And so it, that it starts there basically where he's, he's making these decisions on who he's going to put into which places on the staff. And then effectively communicating how this was going to go, how their programming and their teaching programming and their their building up in incremental steps um, over time, what it was going to look like to really develop players. I think um, I don't think I know that he's he's reaching more areas of the roster than he had in past years. Um, he is delegating to other staff members when he does that. So when you see him on the defensive field, sometimes um, he'll delegate and empower Mike LaFleur and Zach Robinson and Ron Gold and Nick Cayley and Ryan Wendell and, you know, Jake Peets to, to go over and, and take their, and Eric Yarber to take, take the reins over on the offensive side so that he can reach more areas of the roster and truly, um, pay attention to the holistic development of this team. In previous years, it, it, it was so top heavy of a roster, which worked out, by the way, very well for the Rams, as right. we know. Um, but at the same time, when everything is built around a certain core of um, a very high profile and very productive players and an offense that was getting overhauled again in 2021, the Rams changed their scheme again. Um, this was this demanded so much attention and focus. Well, what I think the most impressive thing that Sean has done is for the third time in seven years, he has overhauled his scheme again yeah. to meet the league where it's at and, and even ahead of where it's at, which is what he prototypically was so good at and so known for back in the 17, 18 days. And he's done that a third time in seven years as a coach. This time in, this, in these last two times he's done it, it's been with Matthew Stafford, who's had a huge effect on that as well. Um but for Sean McVay to do that while also reaching more of the roster than I think he ever has, I think it's significant. And I honestly, I cannot say enough about, I see it every day and I can't say enough about what he has accomplished in that regard and the growth of, uh, he's talked very openly about it, uh, of really looking at himself and thinking, what am I not doing? Where am I not bringing people with me? And making a conscious and and very um, noticeable and apparent effort to correct that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the Rams, you're seeing growth actually happen. You're not seeing a spike and then a stall. 
you're seeing pretty consistent growth all the way through the entire, even when they're not winning games, you're seeing again, theory and execution starting to meet each other. That is a sign of coaching. That's a sign of players who are bought in. That's a sign of players who are, are talented and working their butts off to really meet the moment where it's at. Um, it's, it's a collective effort. And I think it like, like all these players say, it's a, it's a cliche, but it's true. It, it, it does start at the top. All right, Jordan, before I let you go, time for the Ram Jam, where I ask my guests three questions, the same three questions, rapid fire style. Okay. You're about to have your last meal on earth. What would it be? Tacos. Tacos. Any drink, any dessert, you just doing full taco bar until you can't taco no more? Uh, tacos and a good IPA. I like the mm. Topa Topa Chief Peak. Yeah, tacos okay. and a good IPA. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> If you could live in an amusement park, shopping center, or other fun place, where would you choose and why? Um, I actually would probably live in a Costco. Um, (laughs) That's a good answer. Yeah. Food, beds, samples, anything my dog could ever need. Pharmacy. That's a good one. Anything you need. I'd pick maybe a Costco. Yeah. Or similar such such, uh, chain. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, what would a collage of your life include? Um, I, it would just be total chaos. <laughs> aren't all collages though? Have you ever seen yeah. a collage? Of, Lot, like, lots of pictures, lots of pictures of my dog, <laughs> and 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 uh, lots of uh, schematic diagramming, and probably a lot of string in between different, you yeah. know, like the like the, the always sunny meme, yep. yeah. Um, but yeah, pure total chaos, uh, lots of music notes and, uh, lyrics and poetry and messiness everywhere. And lots of pictures of my dog, lots of football. Um, yeah, cooking. It's, it would I love pure... your cooking recipes. Thank you. I appreciate that's a, that's a little known secret hobby of mine that, uh, yeah. that some people, some people know about, but, uh, yeah, I, Spoiler. I enjoy that. Spoiler, yeah. Spoiler, Jordan's I, a great cook, a great chef. Yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my zen thing is is to cook. Uh that's how I decompress and I I like to try lots of um advanced complicated recipes things like that. So, you I haven't burned shocker. the house down. Yeah. Shocker. You I haven't burned the house this? down yet, but <laughs> Yeah, please don't. But okay, Jamie's Jordan, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you feel smarter after this episode, like I already do, make sure you are reading all of Jordan's tweets. Her articles are so impressive. I implore you to read them all. I never miss one. Jordan, thank you so much for your time and your insight. As always, you have you have made me so excited, as always, about this team. I'm so excited for their New Year's Eve game against the Giants and then week 18 coming up against the Niners. It's going to be the great end of the year and i'm excited to see what this team pulls off thanks for having me erica always a pleasure thanks jammies (laughs) (laughs) all right you guys that does it for this week's ricky's ram jam let's hear your new year's resolutions mine is going to be up that's a secret you'll find out next week (laughs) all right you guys that does it let's ram it